Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. We've been taking an earth walk looking at the teaching of Jesus Christ. And last week, especially, we were looking at really the beginning of the story that most of us have heard at some point, the story of the prodigal son. And let me just remind you, because sometimes in our culture, we we make the prodigal into being somebody, a sibling, or somebody who's gone wrong, a child who's gone wrong. But really what it's talking about is a child who is wasteful with his living. That's what prodigal means. Prodigal means wasteful. So... We looked last week at the whole issue of the son, the younger son. Remember, he goes to his dad. He says, Dad, I want out of here. This is me paraphrasing it. I want my inheritance now. Basically, in that culture, it's like him going to his dad and saying to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want my freedom. So he takes his third. Remember, in their culture, a double portion was to go to the older son, And then everything else was to be divided among the other children. And so two-thirds goes to the other brother. One-third is given to the son. We read from the scripture in chapter 15 that he then goes off to a far country. That is, he goes to to the next country over. It's like somebody leaving here saying, I'm out of here. And he goes to Canada. And while he's in the far country, he blows his money. He just wastes it. He does whatever he wants. Until finally he has nothing, and then around the same time that he has nothing, a famine enters into the world, and so we see the consequences. Because you know what? You want your freedom. God says, okay, go ahead. You want to do what you want to do. I'll let you go do what you want to do. But when he lets you do what you want to do, you face the consequences for your action. And that's what happens with this guy. He faces the consequences. He finds himself where he does not want to be, doing things that he thought he would never do. And then the passage tells us that he gains his sanity. He comes to his senses. He repents. He changes his mind. He realizes, you know, I haven't done right. And I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to apologize. And and he humbles himself. He says, I'm going to go apologize. It's not that, Dad, let me have a place back. It's, Dad, can I even be a servant in your house? And that's where we leave off. And so today we come to verse 20. And we're going to see the picture of the dad. And I want you to remember this. This is the same dad who, when his son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance, the same dad that the son's basically thumbing his nose at his dad and saying to the dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. So this is the same dad who basically in that culture had every right just to reject him, to consider him as dead. And I want you to keep that in perspective here because what we see here is It's amazing. And Jesus purposely, I mean, he's purposely telling us this because he wants you and I to get a picture of our God. He wants you and I to get a picture of who God the Father is and the love that he has. Because here's the thing, you could be here today and you've got a wrong concept of who God is. In fact, you've got an extremely wrong concept of God. In fact, you've got a concept of God where, yeah, he lets you go off, but, but God's ready to squash you. He's ready to make you pay for your bad decision. 
And that's, that's the concept that we sometimes have of God. And what we're going to see here is something completely different. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to see the father, but not just the father, we're going to also see the older brother. And we're going to see his reaction. So look with me, we're going to look at verses 20 through 32. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and his sandals on his feet, Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, his older brother was in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house and he heard the music and the dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And you said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should be merry and glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to... See, first of all, the father. We're going to see the picture of the father that you and I need to grasp. We're also going to see the picture of the older brother, the brother. And and why we're going to look at this, and I think why Jesus is giving this picture to us, is because he wants us to examine our own lives. Because you might not realize this, but you actually might be an older brother here today. And then we're going to see the proper perspective. So let's first of all look at the father. Because what we see here is, is so amazing. It's so profound. The first thing we see is this. Look with me at verse 20. Notice what it says there. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Here's what I want you to see. He longingly waits. The father longingly waits. What you picture here when you read this is, is dad sitting on the porch, and he's looking down the road, down the driveway, down the road to his place. And he's got a heart of anticipation, waiting for his lost one to come back. That's what we see about God here. Isn't that an awesome thought? Is that God the Father is waiting for you to come to your senses. He's waiting for you to get right in your mind and come back to Him. I mean, that's so contrary. I mean, the, the normal attitude is, if I mean, you're going to do that, go ahead, but I'm going on with my life. That is not the picture we have here of the Father. The Father is, is, is waiting, He's longing, He sees His Son a far distance off. Now, it doesn't just stop there. Because the normal human attitude, listen to me, the normal human attitude is to, okay, there He is, He's coming, well, let's see what He does. He needs to come and say, He's sorry. 
He needs to come and express repentance towards me. He needs to, he needs to come in here crawling. That, that's the normal human attitude, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Is You did me wrong. And yeah, I'm waiting. And we do wait, don't we? We do wait for people to come and tell us they're sorry, right? And, and it's like, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna move, I'm gonna be right here on the porch and we'll wait and, you know, when he comes up, I'll ignore him. Oh, there you are. What can I do for you? That's the normal human attitude. That's, that's the attitude we normally have. But I want you to notice with me, here's what we see here. Look at here. He takes the initiative. He takes the initiative because he sees the sun. And I'll be honest with you, this, this story today shared in Palestine brings shock to people in, in the Middle East right now because in their culture, the dad is never supposed to do this. Here's what he does. He sees the sun, and do you think he sits on the porch waiting for the sun to show up? No, he hightails it down the road chasing after the sun. He takes the initiative. He runs after the sun and he grabs him and he kisses him on his neck. He hugs him and he welcomes him. He's taking the initiative here. He's not waiting for the sun to make the first step. He takes the first step. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome about God, isn't it? I mean, you could do wrong here, folks. And we have. And you are. And you're doing your own thing. And in your own way, you've thumbed your nose at God. But He's longingly looking for you. He takes the initiative to chase after you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, He takes the initiative and chases after the boy. In fact, here's what happens. Look with me. I think it's so interesting because, I mean, it just blew me away. Even just reading it right now, it's like, man, that really caught my attention there. Look with me. Verse 21 is, okay, the dad comes, he grabs him, he hugs him, he kisses him on the neck. And verse 21 is the boy saying, oh, dad, you know, I'm sorry. Look at what he says here. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now look at verse 22. Look at what verse 22 says. Look at this. But the father said to his servants, he's ignoring the boy. What's going on here? I mean, think about it. I mean, I think I can almost picture this happening. The young man is rever- you ever done this? You know you've done wrong, especially with your spouse. And all day long you're talking about, well, I'm going to see her. And you're rehearsing in your mind what you're going to say. Well, I'm just going to say this, and, and this is what I'm going to do, and and uh, I'll take out the garbage too, and you know, and I mean, and you're rehearsing. You ever know? You know what? Some of you guys are laughing. You know what I'm talking about? Because you're trying to make things right, and so you're rehearsing in your mind. This is what. I'm, and if she says this, and if she gets angry, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to look. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. You know what I'm talking about, okay? You can almost guarantee that this is what this boy's been doing. Dad grabs him, hugs him. Boy makes his confession. And here's what's going on here. Folks, listen to me. He ignores the son. That's an attitude, bro. That's the initiative God takes with us. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome, isn't it? Because here's the thing. Look at what he does. I mean, it just blows my mind. He honors the wayward. He honors the wayward. He calls his servants. And, he's, and he says, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. I mean, the, kid, the boy's probably... I mean, he's been slopping pigs, folks. He's been slopping pigs... Wishing he could have what the pigs are eating. Travels from, I mean, it's like traveling from Canada to here by foot. He probably stinks. He's not in good condition. Probably half starved. And the dad says, hey, go get my best robe. Get my sandals. Put a ring on his hand. 
which is signifying of honor. He is honoring this guy. And then he says, go get the fatted calf. Now you have to understand, in their culture, they would have an animal that they would just fatten up pretty good. They would feed that cow. They would just do whatever. And what they would do is they would save that animal, not for just eating any old time. They would save that animal, treat that animal right for whenever they would have a feast because when they killed the fatted calf, we're talking something good here. We're talking lots of meat. And here's what the dad does. He takes what should have been reserved for an honored guest and he kills it for his boy that went and did wrong. He honors the wayward. See, some of you got to grasp that point right here. You've got to put a star right by your, on your bulletin. If you got the back of the bulletin and you just wrote in, he honors the wayward, you need to put a star right there. Here's why you got to put the star there. Listen to me. Because some of you, you recognize that Jesus forgives. Yes, he forgives me. But here's what you haven't grasped. Is that some of you, you recognize the forgiveness of Jesus, but what's going on in your mind is, is that he never looks at you the same again. That every time he sees you, oh yeah, he forgave you, but he's not forgetting what you did. Some of you are, have that way of thinking. What I want you to see from this passage is, is that is not the attitude of the Father who is God here. The attitude of the Father is, is that yeah, he forgives, but he honors. He lifts up. In fact, we're going to see here in a moment that there's some other guy who's really torqued about the dad honoring him this way. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what forgiveness is. This is what salvation is. This is making you new again. Restoring you to the relationship with God. You're not, there's no red-headed stepchildren with God, folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no red-headed stepchildren. So he takes the initiative here, and he honors the wayward. And that's the picture we have of the Father. But you know, it does, the story doesn't end there, because if the story ended there, everybody would be like, Woo! Yeah, great! But it doesn't end there. Because I'll be honest with you, this is not just the reason for the story. Remember, Jesus is giving this story, and who he's telling this story to are a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of self-righteous religious people, who have an attitude about Jesus reaching out to sinners and drunkards and tax collectors. And so Jesus shares this story to reveal the heart of God, but he's also sharing this story to reveal their heart. And folks, there's another part of this story here that you and I need to hear, because it could be very well that we are like the older brother. So I want you to notice now the older brother. There he is. Scripture tells us, Verse 25, that he was out in the field working, and as he's done with the field, maybe he's bringing the oxen back in, and as he gets closer to the house, he hears music. He hears partying, he hears dancing. And he's like, what in the world is going on here? So he calls one of the servants, maybe there's a servant running by, he calls one of the servants and says, hey, what in the world's going on here? And notice what the scripture says. The servant says to him, man, we're having a party because your younger brother is back. Remember your younger brother, the dude that left? And he's back. And your dad's rejoicing that he's been found. And he's killed the fatted calf. Now that must have just stuck right there in the throat of the older brother. The what? The best animal for that scoundrel? Now stop for a moment. You can relate to the older brother here. Because if you're the older brother and you've been hanging with dad, you've been doing everything dad's been telling you to do, and your younger brother has gone off and done his own thing and just squandered stuff, 
who do you think is right and who do you think is wrong? So the older brother's thinking, he did what for who? After what he did? Here's what's going on here. We're going to see several things from this passage. First of all, he's offended at the Father's grace. He's offended at the Father's grace. Let, let's, just, let's just be honest. The, old, the older brother is having a hard time. And he's having a hard time because dad is honoring a boy that basically said to him, I wish you were dead. Dad is honoring a boy who went off and did his own thing. Dad is honoring a boy who squandered it all. Dad is honoring a boy who, can I be honest with you, probably has been this way all of his life. Because he's a baby. You know what, I can relate to the older brother because I'm an older brother. Firstborns are like that. If you're a firstborn, you know what I mean. Everything's to the rule. If you do everything, you know what I'm saying? The younger ones are irritating. Never do what they're told to do. Do you know what I'm talking about? At least that's my perspective as an older brother. And, and this is what's going on here. And then you hear that Dad's got a big, huge barbecue going on and they're partying and he's got a DJ and they're dancing for this guy. Give me a break. I'm the one that's been doing everything right. He's never done that for me. Isn't that what he said there? Isn't that exactly what he said? Never once did you kill a young goat so that I could party with my friends. He's offended by grace. Now, we sit there and we can relate to him. Folks, we do the same thing because maybe we see somebody, you know that they've done wrong. They've done the wrong things. They've gotten themselves in trouble. And then when we see that God maybe gives them grace, when we think that they should be paying... Listen to me, when we think that they should be paying for their mistakes, we got a hard time with just God forgiving them because, hey, shouldn't they make things right? Oh yeah, we can bring them back in, but he ain't staying in our house. See, he's offended at grace. Grace is not that way. He's offended at the Father's grace. Now here's what else we see. He, he rests in his morality. Look at what he says here. He's resting in his morality. This is what the basis is for him. He's doing the right things. Look at what he says there. Look with me at verse 29. And he answered and said, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. What's he saying there? Dad, I did everything you told me. Never once did I even have a bad thought about it. Whatever you told me to do, I did it. Some of you are like, man... What's his deal? Well, I mean, this is where he's at. He's resting in his morality. Dad, I've been perfect! And you never did this for me. This is what happens. When we can get the older brother attitude and we see somebody and have an attitude because God's being gracious to them, and we look and we say, well, we never did what they did. We never did the junk they're doing. This is the attitude. In fact, it goes one step further. Look with me at verse 30, because I think it's amazing here what he's saying. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your inheritance with the harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Here's what he's doing. He assumes the worst concerning others. Say, so what do you mean? Well, look at what he says there. I want to, let's take a look at two different passages here. I want you to look with me at verse 13, then look with me at verse 30. Verse 13 says this. And not many days after this, the younger son gathered together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. 
Now, your, your English translation will say prodigal living. Another translation, somebody here might have this. Prodigal also means wasteful. It might be he wasted his money with wasteful living. Now, that's all the passage says. That's all that we know. Now, look at what the older brother is assuming. I mean, he doesn't know. He hasn't even had a conversation with the brother yet. I mean, the brother's been away in another country. How does he even know what's going on here? But look at what the accusation is of the older brother. Look at what he says there. Verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with what? Harlots. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? See, he assumes the worst of others. In fact, I'll be honest with you. One scholar said this. I thought it was very interesting that probably the guy who had the biggest problem was the older brother because maybe he revealed what was going on in his own heart and mind. Because maybe he's really actually sharing what he would have done with the money if he had done what the younger brother had done. You see my point? See, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Self-righteousness doesn't... Morality doesn't free you from sin because maybe you're perfect on the outside, but you're a mess on the inside. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe you're perfect on the outside, but you're a mess on the inside. Because this this guy, he just assumed that the younger brother went off and spent it on prostitutes. And makes that accusation. He doesn't even know. Because I can almost guarantee he didn't get a letter. So he doesn't know. But he assumes. See, this is what happens. You just assume the worst. You just assume the worst of people. Well, they're going off. I'm sure they're doing this. Then you're like shocked when you find out, well, they never did that. Well, you just assume they did. Because isn't that what everybody does when they do that? This is the older brother's attitude. So the dad comes out. And he tries to convince him to come back in. He's listening to all this, these, these, this reasoning from the self-righteous older brother. And then he gives a perspective here, a different perspective. Look with me in verse 31 and 32. Here's what the dad says. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. And here's what I want you to see. Two different things. Two different, a proper perspective that you and I need to grasp about God. First of all, here's it is. The Father sees things differently. See, this is something you and I got to grasp a hold of. Is that God the Father views the world and views people in this world differently than you and I. We tend to see things black and white. You do wrong, you need to pay. You do me wrong, you're going to hurt. That's how we think. And we oftentimes think in terms of God that way. That when you do God wrong, He's going to make you pay. He's going to hurt you. He's going to squash you. This is not the attitude here. The the father has a completely different attitude. The father's attitude is, is, you know what, son, you've always been with me. I'm glad you're there with me. Everything I have is yours. But your lost brother is back. And his mind has changed. He's back. And we have every right to be celebrating that. And I'm having a party. If you don't want to be there, that's your problem. But I'm excited. That's the attitude of the Father. He sees things differently. He sees things differently. Why? Because here's the next point. Redemption is more important, folks. 
Redemption is more important to God the Father than everything getting set right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Redemption is more important than everything being set right because we're into everything being set right. Have you noticed that? That's why we hold on to grudges for so long. It's because we're just waiting for the day when, when everything's going to be set right and we're like, okay, and we'll be even pious about it. You know what? I want to pay you back. But I'll leave it for Jesus because he's going to set everything right. Then you're shocked one day when the person you're angry with gets saved and it's forgiven. Then you realize whether or not you're the older brother. See, God sees things so differently than we do, doesn't he, folks? Aren't you glad he sees things differently? Aren't you glad? I mean, because if he didn't, we wouldn't have a chance here, folks. Redemption is more important to him. Not making things right, but people coming to a saving knowledge of him. People coming to salvation and finding forgiveness. Because he understands that without him... They're lost. They're just going to do what's wrong. We say, George, how do, how do we close this message? How do we wrap it up here in the last few minutes? Well, I'm going to give you two questions and I'm going to give you an action point, okay? Here's the first thing I want you to think about. As we think about today's message, how, how do you view the Father? How do you view the Father? Do you, how, what's your attitude about God the Father? Maybe you, you're like what I expressed earlier. Your attitude about God the Father is, is that He's ready to squash you. He's ready to punish you. He's ready to just wreak havoc on you because you haven't been done right. And Or, yeah, He'll forgive you, but you're just a second-class citizen from here on out. What's your view of the Father, folks? Because that's going to dictate a lot in your life, how you view God the Father. And what my prayer is, is that you will allow the passage to show you who God the Father really is. He's somebody who is eagerly waiting. Isn't that awesome? Listen, here's the thing. You know what you've done. You know what it is. You know what the skeletons are in your closet. You know the things that you are regretting, the shame you carry, and the guilt. You've got to grasp the reality that He's a forgiving God, a loving God, and that He'll take you and honor you and love you where you're at. He'll put the best robe on you. He'll kill the fatted calf for you. So what's your view of the Father? Here, here's the other thing. Are you offended at grace? Look, folks, we've got to get this one under control here at the church. Because if we're going to be a church where real people can come, no matter what, where they're at in life, we're, we're going to have to get this one under, under grasp. Because we're going to see things that, that of God extending grace to people that maybe we think should, grace should not be extended to. But if we're going to be that kind of church, we need to get used to it. Where he extends grace to the unlovable. So are you offended at grace? See, so okay, what do we do with it? Here's what, here's what, here's what we gotta do. Here's the thing, folks. Listen to me. Get over your attitude and reach out. Because that's really the heart of the message here. Jesus is telling them, this is who God the Father is. This is how He reaches out to the lost. Now you get over your attitude about the people around you who don't need Jesus. That you think aren't deserving. And you reach out to them. Get over your attitude. Yeah, maybe they don't drink the same iced tea that you do. But you need to get over it. Maybe they don't wear their hair the way you do. Maybe they don't dress the way you do. Maybe they don't listen to the same music the way you do. Do you know what I'm saying? Get over it. Because the Father is anxiously waiting for them to come. But you've got to share the message of coming. 
So what's God speaking to you about today? What's He showing you today? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.